The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. Thank God they're putting on it in a different episode so I don't have to fit fast forward constantly exactly. through the next Welcome to On Education, part of the Education Podcast Network. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will debate the reasons why U.S. math and reading scores haven't changed much in a decade. We'll talk about Power School's purchase of Schoology. And our guest this week is speaker and author Angela Myers. So I've moved on to a new game. Yeah. I'm off, I'm off the Minecraft hardcore train. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> It's too demoralizing. I've <laughs> went to a new demoralizing game. Cool. What is it? So this this oxygen not included is is freaking rad. It is it is a legit amazing game. So Jay Collins um, referred me to this uh, and said it's the best game they'd ever played. Hmm. And I was like, uh, okay. Well, I mean, really? So I I, I bought it. Okay. And it's one of the best games I've ever played. Really? Yeah, it's so legit. What is it good. like? It's it is I... a incredibly complex base builder kind of management sim, but you're underground and you have to manage like things like oxygen and food and minerals and like mining and it's it's electricity and water and it's incredibly complex, but you literally find yourself completely hooked on it. Like, yeah, a, like like a city builder or not really kind of has a city builder element to it for sure it's like nothing i've ever played mm. uh i'll have to try it but it's right in my wheelhouse of all the things like like i'm clearly a masochist because man i like these ones that just beat you into the <laughs> ground i've probably restarted <laughs> this game about 15 times okay. um but it's it's so good I'll it's have so to try good. it out and then so see, if, hard, see if your review hard is buy. good. Yeah, on Oxygen Not Included. Um, it's a, I know it's available on Steam, so that's that's generally where. And I, but I've been playing it. Like I even I was in I was in Halifax this weekend, and I put it on my Surface laptop so I could play it on my laptop in the hotel room mm. and play it on the airplane when I was going to Halifax, and I played it on the airplane when I was coming. Like I'm legit nice. hooked on this. Um, so so okay oxygen yes. not included yeah it's that, a cool I'm, title it's it's a great title uh i'm pumped about i'm going to china in a couple weeks yeah um and i'm I'm gonna buy a switch light as well so i'm excited about that yeah that's the version of the switch the nintendo switch that's the kind of just a mobile one right it's, so you yeah, don't connect the it controllers to are built right in there's no okay. dock it's it's like a it's the switch but but not not with any of the any of the peripheral type stuff attached to it. Mm. So it's it's pretty rad. What have what have you been up to? Have you been playing anything? I have 
played a little bit, but I haven't. I've been taking. I've been taking a break from from oh, a, boy. the from the uh, old uh, video games. I'm, Breaks are for the week. I'm, <laughs> I've been <laughs> trying to interact with people in real life. That's pretty hard to do. <laughs> people. People are overrated, <laughs> but yeah, I'm generally gonna, speaking, I'm gonna, company I'm gonna, included. I'm going to try this uh, this game that you were just talking about, the Oxygen game, and see, and see how it, see what I think about it because it's pretty high rating coming from you. You you have all the games. So. I do have all the games. I'm up to probably close to 500 games on Steam now. So 500 games, and this one's at the top. That's pretty good. It's pretty high. So, okay, so. Great segue, by the way, yes, into perfect segue. into perfect segue. Uh, the first rule of segues is don't mention the segues. <laughs> We're professionals we here on on education. <laughs> yeah, we do that all the time because <laughs> we love patting ourselves on the back about how awesome our segues are. Um, we both saw this today um, mm-hmm. and mentioned it almost at the exact same time because I was talking to Cheryl about it at breakfast, and then you tweeted me literally 15 minutes later. Yeah. And I was like, did you see this list? It's yeah. the Polygon Top 100 Video Games of the 2010s. 2010s. Um, and it's it's pretty sweet. And so I think we're going to do, like, we're going to take a deep video game nerd dive into this because yeah. that's just the cool people that we are. <laughs> we'll, we'll, but we'll not on this episode, that, not yeah, on that, this episode. That there'll be an episode completely yeah. dedicated to this, yeah. Uh, yeah. the discussion of this list because there's a lot of discussion on it. Actually, the only non... Um, discussion the point i think unless somebody comes on here and like counters us is what's they'd number be wrong. one they'd be yeah. wrong the number one out of the you know top 100 video games that they named we both said number one is right yeah minecraft dead on yes that's it they nailed it i think they absolutely nailed it and i would I, if i had to make like a hot take prediction yeah i wouldn't have a problem guessing that minecraft could possibly be the number one game of the 2020s as well I don't know about that. No, we'll see. <laughs> We're going to see. Uh, would you have thought that World of Warcraft would still be, you know, a top game in 2019? It came out in 2004. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Just, but there's also a resurgence of specific types of games that we are looking for. You know, we're, we have this nostalgia for and we're like, God, if someone could just do that again except better and and mm-hmm. video game companies have a hard time doing that you know yeah the best success with that for sure in my mind is the is the and we've talked about um city skylines before yes bringing back how good sim city was but just yes. killing how, sim city how good it is yes yeah it's yes. so good so uh so we i think we're gonna take a further. deep yeah. video game nerd dive episode for all the you know the cool people out there that listen <laughs> Um, someone just went thank god they're not gonna go any further yeah thank god they're putting on it in a different episode so i don't have to fit fast forward constantly through the next through the next 20 minutes exactly friends we want to dedicate more than 20 minutes to talking about video games we we literally want our own video game podcast but i don't got the time for that so listen we have our own podcast feed man we're gonna talk about video games yes um we do actually have one other shockingly one other video game um topic that's kind of interesting though this is education related too i I do think this is education related there's there's so would you i don't know like hiring a tutor for fortnite or or apex well first off apex legends is a terrible game so anyone who hires a a tutor for apex (laughs) it's not that bad actually 
It's but pretty good. League yeah. of Legends is is another one that I've seen tutors for. Mm. Um, but but Fortnite tutors. Um, hmm. So pretty. So there was a. I mean, this came out of the Washington Post as an article that basically is stating yeah. that there is this huge movement for people getting paid to coach other people on video games. So yep. it is a profession. You can get paid for it. The money is yeah. really good. It's Clearly like, I'm missing out. Hundred plus dollars an hour. I mean, that's the minimum charges. There's some legit money to be gained here, and I'm sure if you are a pro, or if you're just a Twitch streamer, or you know, if you're just if you do that, this is a fantastic way of being able to earn more money uh, to coach someone through you know some sessions or whatever it might be. Um, and I was I was just thinking about that as far as on Hearthstone. There's so many people that are so dang good mm. that you would want their insights into like watch you play well you and tweet them of, all the time yeah and kind of like say hey give me advice on what i've done here what am i doing wrong because there's just these little nuances and those little nuances are the difference between being a professional player that actually goes out and and does this as a career and then some scrub like me that just sits around and mm. and hits a 50 percent mark you know as far we- as winning winning percentage the funny thing is we like to we like to bash the people who that that like that trope in ed tech conference keynote sessions and whatever the the whole these are the jobs that won't exist you know yeah. we're we're teaching yeah. kids about jobs I that don't exist that these days yeah. but like this is it's, a job that didn't exist a year and a half ago your your parents <laughs> me growing up if we would have said i'm going to grow up and i'm going to train other people how Teach to play people video how to games play video like, games professionally what <laughs> smack me <laughs> but it's so, true and it's happening and it's a legit a job, career friends. it's crazy yes so, it's crazy crazy <laughs> listen this is the this is the world and and i mean i mean video games are big business and they, big time so, I mean, the educational takeaway from this for me, though, is that these might be jobs our students aspire to. Yes. And we should take that seriously. Mm-hmm. We should take, like when a kid says to you, I want to be a YouTuber, take that seriously. Tell them about the opportunities that it, you can have being a YouTuber. But please tell them how hard it is yes. to be a good YouTuber, too. Tell them how much experience and practice and time played you would need to put in to be a coach of a Fortnite player yeah. because uh, I crazy. mean we've talked about how much Ninja for example plays every day we're talking about a, a dude it's who plays 12 hours a day 12 it's to a 16 grind. hours a day it's work yes it's total work I mean it is work it's grinding yes and to be a, a professional YouTuber you need to have some pretty legit skills not just in video games or being like a an entertaining talking head but but you need to have video editing skills you need to have graphic design skills yes. there are some legit skills so like please for the love of god don't discourage your kids from being youtubers or streamers um but but teach them tell them encourage them but show them you know what the professionals actually do because what the professionals actually do is professional yeah it's legit and, and a lot and of times if you talk to them or you're listening to them it there's this balance between the game being fun and it being work and they have to they work they they have that balance all the time because they're grinding so much that the game maybe isn't that fun <laughs> you know what i mean sometimes sure. it's just not fun but they have to at least show 
in their persona and their personality as they're running basically running their own ch- channel that mm. that it is fun it's entertaining and that they're having fun with it or whatever it might be so it is it it's definitely difficult it is a opportunity but man whew, i don't know if i would i definitely wouldn't want to do it it's it i know myself that it's super complex and uh a, a super grind today's election day in yes, the u.s uh i didn't even know this was a thing um so this is like there's governor elections happening yes. and there's a lot of local elections happening. Yes. Not So not every governor is running for election today. No. It's just some. There's a lot of elections for mayor happening <laughs> yes. today as well, too. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, and the biggest thing that as far as educationally related is yeah. uh, many of many school districts uh, go sometimes on a yearly basis to their voter base and and basically ask them for uh, either a levy or a referendum uh, being the difference being uh, whether it be for an actual building or buildings uh, or it be for an operating type of money. Um, And that happened both in my the district that I live in and the district that I work in, both of them have different types of needs that they're asking for. And so I'm hoping so much that the people come out and vote yes. Anytime you vote yes for education, my goodness, mm-hmm. it is such a positive thing for the schools. When when they're when they're strapped for cash, there will be an effect on education. We just talked about class sizes, uh, the the buildings themselves, what kind of uh, you know facilities you actually have, and so much more trickles down. Uh, whether or not you have uh, paraprofessionals or teachers' aides. Uh, as custodians, how much you actually get done and, and how many people you have employed. All of those things are part of an overall budget. And at least at the local level in the United States, it's so important that we go out and vote and that we approve these uh, these asks from the schools, whether they be a levy or a referendum. And so I hope that they pass the night and I'll let you know next week whether it's good or bad news. <laughs> it's not a small amount of money like that some of these are asking for, right? Like, no. I- and it's important. No, like, like this is pretty highly needed as yeah. well. Yeah, like the district that I work for is asking for, I believe, thirty-two million dollars, and it's set over a period of time so that yeah. it would affect your taxes. I would say very minimally, um, but it's a big deal for some people. You know, as far as w- they vote on that on that issue, and so hopefully it passes. It's a it's a definite need. It's they need to build a new elementary school, and the other one is is definitely uh, needs to be upgraded. So we'll see how it goes, and and hopefully again we have good news in both districts here. Yeah, crossing yeah. our fingers and, then. A, and across the nation. I I I think back to last week's episode, or not last week's episode, two weeks ago with Mayor. Um, talking about how important local elections are and these mm-hmm. these how a lot of this matters this ground roots base level elections and how thirty two million dollars and it's gonna come down to like maybe you know fifteen twenty a hundred people yeah. voting or not voting because of how local it is how Im- yes. how small it is um but it's so not small count. in terms of the 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 need is yeah. is large and the importance is huge. So hopefully um, people get out and and go. Yeah, um, I'm hoping. So despite Common Core 
and more testing, reading, and math scores haven't budged in a decade. That's the headline from USA Today. Um, I, I can't speak to this very well other than to know that um, it doesn't surprise me um, because we, I mean, I think we've had lots of conversations mm-hmm. about Common Core and and how it's not necessarily a very good system um, of assessment and, and, you know, gauging where kids are and how to, how to, you know, um, rate how schools are doing. So, so talk through this a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, the biggest takeaway from this is, and that's what I, I I was talking to off air is that if we don't get to tell our stories, us as educators, as, uh, administrators in schools, as even as students, we don't, if we're not telling what's really happening within the schools, all of the awesome positives that are happening, yeah. uh, then our stories are told in, in these newspaper articles. So I'm going to definitely keep this one so that the next time that I speak, people understand that this, the publication of USA Today is ginormous in the United States. So okay. everyone would see that right, that headline and Basically, scan the first few lines. Thinking where it that's says, all, also thinking that's all that matters, right? Yeah, that's, that's it. the point, right? Yeah, it's and it's horrible because then they basically affirm or reaffirm or they learn from this article that oh, schools are schools kind of suck. not doing not doing that good of a job. Yeah, they're not they're not teaching uh, English and uh, sorry, uh, reading and math very well anymore. Right, uh, and that just actually is not the truth. Uh, the way that all of these things are measured, we've talked about them before. That it's basically a game that's uh, held by a few corporations, yeah. and it's in their best interest that kids don't do that well. <laughs> that's sure. really what it is in the end. Yeah. It's in their best interest that they can sell you more products to make sure that their test scores go up, etc. So. Over a ten-year span, it says over the last decade that they haven't really improved in reading and math. But it's what does that actually mean specifically? We don't really know because we don't know what that measure. That's how are they using this measurement? How are they talking about it? And we don't even know if Common Core specifically has anything positive or negative to do with anything. You know? Yeah, yeah. So well, really that's the point, is, right? Is that yeah, Common Core is time. the yeah kind of irrelevant? Yes, big time. And so I just. Well, want people to understand that these are huge stories for the masses and we need to get out in masses also and tell our local stories so that people know, no, locally, here's what we're doing. All of the positive things that we're doing for our students and it happens every day, but yet they don't make these headlines because these are great clickbait headlines. Right. And everyone loves looking at test scores and relying on test scores and it's test scores, test scores, test scores. And even if the test scores haven't changed, um, I mean, it speaks to the fact that the tests probably suck too. Yes. Right. And the yes, fact absolutely. that the, you know the test scores haven't changed because tests are a terrible way to assess kids. Big time. So Big time. I mean, Ugh. you know, the numbers may not have changed, but you know, I think that slowly but surely we're working our way through changing the way we teach, regardless of these terrible tests. Uh, um. Yeah. All right. I think we have a new segment. We Glenn, do. Glenn, Glenn I, wants to start a new segment. I think he's committed to it. Um, I am. I'm. I'm here for it. I have your back, man. So so let's let's do it. So I, for the past few weeks, actually, it's been a long time coming. But this this one came. The rage has been building. 
the rage has been building on Twitter. And so I want to have a new segment and it's going to be called the preposterous Twitter post of the week. And there's just so many things that are posted out there and, and liked and retweeted by people like instantaneously where you go, hold sure. on, take a step back and reevaluate Let's what this actually says. <laughs> and so, cause I'm going to read this out to our audience and then just let this simmer in your brains. Okay. As educators, it says today, I realized that after teaching for more than 32 years, 32 years, I have never repeated a lesson or a project. Our students' second language acquisition brains crave surprises. I'm, I, I read that, and it came on my thread because people are tweeting and retweeting this uh, or liking and retweeting it. And I'm like, what? 32 years of teaching and the lesson he has to tell. Like I actually work with incoming teachers. I hope that this is not the message that they're receiving that you never repeat a lesson or a project. So my response basically was to to this person was, uh, maybe you meant that you always continue to improve those lessons and projects. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, you never you never are Reflect. satisfied. Sure, I can stick with that, but this doesn't say that. This says you always renew. You you did something, and your kids were like. Your big project, Mike. Mm-hmm. Your, I mean, that took years. I, I'm sure years to develop it mm-hmm. correctly. You know, mm-hmm. over years of time, as you kept iterating and and making it better and better. Mm-hmm. That first time you did it, you got some excitement out of your kids, and they were like, "Oh man, we actually get to design a game from scratch that from the beginning to uh, to the end yeah. and do all that." art elements, the stuff, the music, the everything. And everybody was like really hyped up. And at the end of that year say, well, that was the one time folks <laughs> we're, ne- we're closing the shop on that one. And next year, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but it's not going to be this one because I just, I, I can't get behind statements like this. And this is the kind of stuff that drives me insane. So I will have another one next week. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm sure something's wow. going to catch my eye and I'm going to have a preposterous Twitter post of the week. Well, if there's one thing we can count on is Twitter being preposterous. That's true. So, so true. Let's count on there being another preposterous <laughs> Twitter post of the week next week. Stay stay tuned for that, friends. For sure. When we come back, we can't believe we missed talking about it this or last week, but it's big enough news in our world that we think it deserves a little bit of airtime. So we'll talk about Power Schools purchase of Schoology when we come back. Stay tuned. On Education is brought to you by FreshGrade. The reality for most classrooms is that besides open house and parent-teacher conferences, there's little communication and interaction between teachers and parents. FreshGrade Next wants to change that by bringing teachers, parents, and students all together with a set of new tools for posts, activities, comments, and class feeds. Take communication in your classroom to another level with FreshGrade Next. To learn more about FreshGrade Next and sign up for your free account, Visit FreshGrade.com. On Education is brought to you by Sourcewell Technology and the Impact Education Conference. Join Jimmy Casas, Angela Myers, Michael Cohen, Jordan Shapiro, the On Education podcast team, amazing featured speakers, and thousands of educators December 14th through 17th in Minneapolis, Minnesota for the region's best education conference. 
Register now using promo code ONEDUCATION2019 for $30 off your registration. Also, with every registration, you'll receive a free book of your choice from one of the amazing speakers. To register for the conference, visit impact.sourcewelltech.org. That's impact.sourcewelltech.org. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our hey, they were our previous presenting sponsor, and yes, it's, they were. It's, it is how we met, um, and and how we connected, and we have tons of listeners that are huge Schoology users. Um, so this was big news in our world. Schoology was purchased by PowerSchool. Um, I I don't think we know how much they were purchased for. Um, but what's your kind of your top before we maybe get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts of it, which, what was your, what was your first impression other than holy crap? (laughs) Well, definitely holy crap. And then immediately thinking about, okay, so what are, what does this mean for, you know, the day to day kind of changes, Mm -hmm. um, tons of school districts in Minnesota, our Schoology uh, districts. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're it's buying their, the product. one of their biggest states. Yeah, we're buying the product. We are all in. Uh, we even have like uh, yearly conferences that are local to Minnesota, the Schoology Connect conferences, yeah. and they've been going on for several years. So it's a huge deal to think about a, a different uh, player and, uh, and coming in, and, and the other part too that we, the only thing we had ever heard of as far as what PowerSchool was, was that it was an SIS, a student information system. And many of us don't use PowerSchool as our student information system. So immediately we were like, oh, does that mean that they will no longer work with these uh, these other companies? And school to their credit, came out with a statement right away and said, don't worry about any of this. We're going to continue to work with this. Power School's committed to, you know, keeping these relationships. And so that was their spiel to us, mm-hmm. <laughs> what they told us. They, you know, talked us off the ledges, uh, said that it was going to be great for them. Um, I've read a few of these articles. It sounds like it could be great for the whole company because of the potential investment that could come from these guys but that's everything's always in quotation marks potential investment doesn't mean that they'll continue to invest to make the product you know grow and be better you know that kind of stuff the things that we all want so i don't know what did you think right away when you heard about it um i have very little doubt that there will be unfortunately people that will probably lose jobs uh i i i I thought about people in sales and customer service that we know. Like, I mean, we yes. know a lot of these people, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I, you know, ed tech and technology in general um, crave developers. So I suspect that the developers are all safe because that's like your number one asset is is development power. And now having more of those that speak each other's language um, is a good thing. Uh, in theory, um, you know, we were a little bit worried, you know, there was, there were some back channel conversations and we were a little bit worried about things like whether that's going to force people into power school 
uh, or whether connections to other SIS products are going to get cut off and stuff yeah. like that. Um, I know they say it's not. They are absolutely going to say Schoology works best with PowerSchool. Uh, that will be sure. a slogan. If it's not a slogan, they're doing it wrong. So, like, <laughs> I mean, that will absolutely yeah. be what they say. They will come into a district and they will say, oh, you use PowerSchool. Well, let me tell you the the LMS that works perfectly with PowerSchool. Oh, you use Schoology? Well, let me tell you about the SIS that we know that works perfectly with Schoology. Mm-hmm. And they will, they will start to connect those dots um, for sure. So... I think that, you know, um, PowerSchool is a big company with a lot of power behind it. Um, so, you know, I think that the potential, it's all potential. And that's what you said, yeah. too. It's all, it's all you know, what ifs and, and um, could be's and possibly's. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, those are some pretty big things. Like, like this could be really, really good. Um, I don't see it being bad. I just see it potentially being the same, and mm. and that's actually probably the bad thing is that if if things just don't get if they don't change if they don't keep adapting and developing new stuff and and working on new tools and new ways to use Schoology and and stuff like that. So so that's that's where i would worry is that things yeah. just stayed the same as opposed to using this new this new development power that they're going to have um a, a leaner structure um and a little more capital investment money to to take schoology to to a different level um we know we know like and there's graphs and charts we're going to post some links in the in the show notes that schoology's been growing substantially yes right but but it's it's been growing but as you read through these articles i guess it sounds like as you grow you still have to use so much there's just so much money that's needed in order to continue to grow schoology you know when we were using it i want to call it back in the day Back six, seven years ago, we were using it was a little tiny company and yes. and they were making changes as we would we would tell them. We would be like, Hey, there's this certain thing going on, we'd like to fix. And it was all it was like crazy because you were connected right to the developers, the engineers, those guys. They would fix things and make new things based upon your feedback. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a total family kind of company even though it was a company that you were paying for whatever it might be but it felt it had definitely had that kind of family feel and it helped a lot too i think to they did a great job in creating that atmosphere through their conferences too yeah the community so was, building we, no one builds no one built no. community better than schoology and I i've experienced we we've both been part and experienced yes. tons of educator communities i mean i'm building an educator community at my date at logics and yeah. it's like well what model should we use we should absolutely i talked to bridget who's bridget's no yes. longer with let's, with schoology let's give, let's give her a shout out but we can bridget. give bridget a shout out bridget was basically the person who led and built the schoology she, she uh, educator community i got on conference calls with her um at logics and i said bridget i'm building a uh, an educator community and i'd like to i'd like to know how you did it 
Yes. Is literally what I said. And then we talked, we talked twice for about an hour each time. And, and they were amazing discussions. Um, no one built community better than Schoology. And so like if, if, if Schoology or PowerSchool turns their back on the power of the, like they need to tap into that educator community, yes. not, not do away with it or turn their back on it. Go like, if if they if they don't go to next, if the CEO of PowerSchool and Jeremy or whoever don't get into a boardroom with the leading kind of Schoology ambassadors, we know who they are. They all listen to the podcast too. Yep, yep. But get them all in a room and say, "What are we doing wrong? What can we do to fix it? How can we make this relationship be the best thing ever?" Um, if they need to do that. They need yes. to, the these ambassadors that have been the the driving force of Schoology's growth. Please understand that these ambassadors, like again, the goodwill that's been developed between Schoology mm-hmm. and the educator community has contributed to the growth of Schoology. Big time. It's not just salespeople. I mean, no, salespeople are great, correlation. but mm-hmm. it's word of mouth. It's talking. It's when a critical mass of educators who are using Schoology for free go and talk to the administrators and superintendents and say, we're using this for free, but they have an enterprise version, and this is what we're interested in using, and this is what we like, then that's how they become paying that's, customers. That's what happened. Yes, so, that happens. I mean, I mean, if, if PowerSchool doesn't embrace the Schoology ambassador, the Schoology community group, they're also doing it wrong. So, I mean, we know that there are people that work for Schoology that listen to the podcast still. Um, and, and, you know, we just hope that we love you guys. We just hope that, you know, messages get passed on that. We think that there's, we're, we are very close with the core group of Schoology ambassadors that we're talking about. Yes. And we we want to make sure that their voices are still heard and paid attention to and recognized as part of the driving force of Schoology's growth over the last three to five years in particular. And and that's only you can only get anything positive out of that. 100%. Getting that feedback, get knowing exactly what's happening, like the the real truth of what's happening and what we actually do need and what people are saying, et cetera. And really we're all willing to stand behind the product. That's why we love, we do love Schoology. We're willing to stand behind the product. We want it to succeed because it helps us obviously within our situations, but we love the company itself too. As like I said, it's almost like a family. So that's the part that felt like a little bit weird. It was like, Oh, Somebody bought out our family. It's like, oh, are they still going to be the same? Mm-hmm. And we hope that they are. And we'll see. We will. If we'll, we'll, it's to be continued. It is to be continued. When we come back, uh, we will talk to Angela Myers. So stay with us. On Education is brought to you by Fidgets. Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that support all major programming languages that make physical computing easy. Fidgets keep the emphasis on coding while increasing student engagement. And the best part is that you can get started for free right now. Simply go to bit.ly slash fidgets on education to get your introductory kit that includes a free sensor worth over $50. That's bit.ly slash fidgets on education. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our next guest needs very little introduction, but we're going to do it anyways because that's what the professionals do. 
She's an author, a keynote speaker, educator, and an entrepreneur. She'll be one of the keynote speakers at the Impact Education Conference that we'll all be at as well. Welcome to the podcast, Angela Myers. Well, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to meet you guys in person, and I'm a big fan and thrilled to be here tonight. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, before we get started then, Angela, why don't you give us uh, the 101? Tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and, uh, and, and what keeps you busy these days. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny when people ask me like who I am and what I do, I say, I change lives and I change the world. And then they're like, oh, no, no, really. What do you do? And I'm like, that is exactly <laughs> what I do. I'm an educator. And every single one of us needs to embrace that job description because it changes how you enter, um, whether you're entering the classroom or you're entering the school or you're entering the world, when you understand that what you do has profound impact and that changing lives and changing the world is about being present, fully, absolutely, fiercely present with anyone you interact with. And that act alone changes them. So by trade, that means that I educate in doing that. And so it could be a room of five-year-olds where I started my career, or it could be a room of CEOs where I move back and forth between business and industry. But all the time, I am seeking to educate. And the root word of educate is to lead out, to lead out all the genius that exists within. Mm. So that's it. (laughs) Love that. Love that. Angela, you speak often on the importance of the role of experience in learning. So there's a quote here that you said, as a great teacher, I would never ask my kids to do anything in reading, writing, or mathematics that I would not see a real reader or writer or mathematician doing. So can you talk to us about, uh, maybe to our audience's educators, why it's so important to incorporate these real life experiences when we're teaching? I learned very, very early in my educating career that learning doesn't stick unless it's real. It doesn't have to be fun. It doesn't have to be easy. It doesn't have to be supersonic, exciting, but it has to be real, Mm. meaning that both the teacher and the learner understand real context and real application. So when you look at if I'm teaching literacy, for example, then my source of not only inspiration, but my source of education is what do real readers do to prepare themselves, to build confidence, to practice, to grow themselves, and to become great. And if you look at those principles, they should be mirrored by newly emerging readers and writers. And yet, if you look at instruction, and I just had this conversation yesterday um, with my sister because I have a, a niece that is in high school and a niece that's in middle school. So I'm very passionate about literacy. So, of course, that's the first class I ask about. And I say, well, tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what are you doing in English? And, what are you, and they are dissecting sentences and writing the sentence on the board and fixing it wrong and... Um, writing essays that file into a thing, no real audience, Mm -hmm. no real context, no real communication, which is the point of reading and writing. (laughs) And it's still stunning after decades and decades and decades of research. But beyond that, just simple common sense in your own learning that if we do not keep the experience authentic, 
then it doesn't matter what skill or strategy or technology for that matter that we use. And it's a simple yet profound rule that is broken over and over and over even now. Angela, so much of what you speak about uh, resonates with me and I can see moments in my personal experience in the classroom and in education where people could have used a little Angela Myers knowledge before making decisions or doing doing something. Uh, and, and I've been thinking through some moments and I wasn't exactly sure which one to bring up or which one to talk about, but I, I kind of landed on something. So we're going to we're going to talk about educators for for a couple questions here. And we have a we have a lot of administrators who listen to the podcast. So let's speak to them for a minute. How can how can superintendents and, and principals and vice principals and other education leaders in districts do to not just remind their educators that they matter and they're critical, but ensure that they feel trusted? Because I think that trust is like the key to everything. And like the professionals that they are, I, I'm sure that there is no magic wand solution to the way that this gets fixed but there has to be some simple truths there has to be some things that you can just say and do that are simple to ensure that staff feel valued absolutely so when we choose to be an educator and it is a choice i mean we're accepting this not only with our heads but with our hearts we are choosing and we must choose to accept one another as human beings and to see one another through that lens first. Before we were parents, before we were educators, we were human beings. And at the core, we're not only complex human beings that are made up not only of academic selves, but emotional selves. And when we interact with another person, whether it's administrator to teacher or teacher to teacher or teacher to parent, we have to understand and see one another, see the other person as a human being on this earth. And that, that will affect how we, how we interact with them. That'll affect how we get to our goals. And so often we skip over that stage and we get right to the content or right to the, the, the point of an argument or right to whatever without acknowledging and at the core, and this is where my research comes in, human beings have very, very fundamental biological, not ideological, biological needs. And when beyond food, water, shelter, and air, we need to be seen, we need to be valued, we need to be heard, we need to know that our presence matters. And we need to feel like we're essential. If it's solving a problem or it's, um, it, you know, entering a conversation, we don't want to feel talked at. We want to feel talked with and that our perspective and our opinion, even if we disagree, is respected and expected from another person. So it sounds very cliche. Treat one another, you know, like you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. But as human beings, these aren't just wants. These are fundamental, absolute DNA level desires that affect everything. Angela, I'm, I'm curious. I've been thinking a lot about equity, in particular, also even in, among educators. Like it, And this comes through, obviously, when we're talking about issues of race and people of color and educators of color. 
And I'm wondering if you can view that same question through that lens a little as well, maybe. And have you put any thought into how educators and leaders in educate in educator groups and districts um, can apply this this equity piece and this this humanizing piece of their of their staff um, to diverse groups of educators and and how we can make all educators of all types of backgrounds and um, feel like they're valued and that their their knowledge and their information and their background is valued as well. So I'm certainly not an expert and I reach out to multiple people. Like I, I have um, conversations with a dear friend of mine, um, Ken Shelton, and he pushes the the boundaries for me around equity and diversity and, Mm -hmm. and race. And I feel so privileged to be able to have really open, honest conversations about this topic because it's such a fragile topic. So I'm a, a white human being, a white teacher that did almost all of my career in a predominantly African-American neighborhood. So almost all of my children from the very beginning. So I want to say that I never saw color or race. But I think if I step back a little bit, what I learned about equity is, and specifically learned from the families that I worked with, is that... Um, Equity is directly relational to expectations. And if we don't have an expectation of one another as contributors, because so often different, um, what do I want to say, different populations aren't expected to contribute. They're expected to consume. Here's what I say, now do this. Here's what I want, now do this. And that puts them in a really passive state and it, creates, even if it's unintentional, the relationship of neediness. And you cannot empower another human being, even if you're trying to help them, you can't empower them by viewing them as needy. You empower human beings by reminding them that they're needed, that their perspective, that their experience, that their knowledge, that their person is needed to accomplish what it is that you wish to accomplish with them. And that was a really fundamental shift for me because I would honestly say when I went into teaching in a high, a high poverty neighborhood that I did have that sort of superhero complex that I want to save these children. Mm. And I quickly recognized that, that no one, they may need, everyone needs help from time to time. But no one is empowered by being seen as needy or less than. If we understand that we are in the presence of genius every single day, but genius looks different. And if we don't ask for one another's contributions, if we don't ask for their opinion, if we don't ask for their insight, if we don't ask or um, expect them to contribute anything, then we're going to have misappropriation in every single way. And to me, that transcends color, but I think it is, it is more common um, with different populations that we say that we serve. So and again, I'm not speaking as an expert. I'm speaking as just my experience of human, human behavior, just mm-hmm. my, my study of human behavior and what motivates us as human beings. 
So Angela, we're super excited because we're all going to actually be meeting up at the Impact Education yes. Conference that's actually yes. happening in the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. Yes. Um, yes. And in we, December. <laughs> that's the part that re- really scares everybody. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you will be sharing there, uh, your sessions, uh, what you're going to be speaking about? So uh, we have a, actually quite a few of our listeners are, we have, we're Minnesota strong on this podcast. So Yay, Minnesota, uh, <laughs> yay, Midwest. So can, can you give um, us a little preview? So we don't have the topic totally nailed down unless they have published the topic. I know we've been in contact um, multi- for, for multiple months like yeah. planning this for almost a year, actually. Um, I know that there will be a focus of leadership, a focus of authenticity, a focus of human behavior and what that means for us as we get to sort of um, embody this planet with other amazing human beings. How do we get the most out of each other? Mm. And most importantly, recognizing that our children are extensions of ourselves. And so the greatest predictor of our children's success or the greatest predictor of how they'll engage with the world is how they see us engaging. And so how do we do that, not just individually, but how do we do that as a system? And I think that's what's really important. When people um, encounter my work or I'm in a conversation with them, like there's this reaction like, gosh, this is so like, common sense. Like everybody should know this. And I agree. It is 1000% common sense, Mm. but it takes very fierce, very dedicated, very, very committed leadership to turn common sense into commonplace and common practice. And that's what our goal will be when we're together. Nice. That's awesome. And hopefully you'll spend some time with us at the booth and, and we'll, we'll talk again in literally just a few weeks. In person, yes, I want, we should, we should, yes, we'll do in person and we'll do like a little live stream session and do a shout out from the conference. I would oh, love yes, that. Yeah. I'd be so honored to do that. Yeah, so we do it. Awesome. Um, so Angela, how can people connect with you? How can they learn more about you? Where can they go? How can they uh, reach out? So I am Angela Myers everywhere on the web. So whatever your comfortability is in terms of platform or communication, I'm at Angela Myers on Twitter, at Angela Myers on LinkedIn, at Angela Myers at, at Angela Myers at gmail.com through email. So it doesn't matter how, but I want, I, I have the same thing. I want to hear what your perspective is. I, I want to hear what you think and, and what you, you know, what resonates with you. Like it's such a huge like compliment when you said like there are things that I've said or shared that have helped you Mm -hmm. through a bad day or helped you move to the next level. Like that's what we all want as educators. The goal of leadership is not to gain followers. The goal of leadership is to embody and inspire um, more leaders. And so however that looks, I'm proud to be a part of that process. So anyway, any shape, please reach out to me. Tell me what you're thinking. Share a story. Share your genius. I want to hear it, and I will hear you. There it is. Angela Myers, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Absolutely. Such an honor. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com.
Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.